the character and work of a spiritual watchman described by lemuel haynes this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org a sermon delivered at heinsberg february twenty third seventeen ninety one at the ordination of the reverend reuben parmely hebrews thirteen seventeen for they watch for your souls as they that must give account. Nothing is more evident than that men are prejudiced against the gospel. It is from this source that those who are for the defence of it meet with so much contempt. It is true they are frail, sinful dust and ashes in common with other men, yet on account of the important embassy with which they are entrusted, it is agreeable to the unerring dictates of inspiration to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. 1 Thessalonians 5.13. To illustrate this sentiment was the design of the Apostle in this verse, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. He was far from inculcating anything that might seem to confront what the Apostle Peter has enjoined. 1 Peter 5.3. Neither as being lords over God's heritage. The word signifies to lead, guide, or direct. Our text contains an important motive to excite to attention and respect, that is due to the ministers of Christ on account of their relation to him, and that is the aspect their work has to a judgment day. For they watch for your souls, as they that must quickly give account. They are amenable to their great Lord and Master for every sermon they preach, and must give an account of the reception they and their work meet with among their hearers. Under the influence of such a thought, let us take notice of a few things supposed by the work assigned to the ministers in the text say something with respect to their character, whence it appears that they must give account, when they may be said to be properly influenced by such considerations. First, there are several ideas suggested by the work assigned to gospel ministers in the text, which is to watch for souls. This supposes, one, that the soul is of vast importance, else why so much attention paid to it as to have a guard to inspect it, all those injunctions we find interspersed through the sacred pages to watchmen to be faithful are so many evidences of the worth of men's souls. What renders them so valuable is the important relation they stand in to their Maker. The perfections of the Deity are more illustrated in the redemption of fallen men than they would have been the salvation of apostate angels, else why were the latter passed by while God chose the former as the objects of his attention? God hath from eternity appointed a proper number for the display of his mercy and justice. Means are necessary to fit them for their master's use, so that the soul, in this view, is of infinite importance. 2. Watchmen over the souls of men implies that they are prone to neglect them, or to be inattentive to their souls. When one is set to inspect or watch over another, it supposes some kind of incapacity that he is under to take care of himself. The scripture represents mankind by nature as fools, madmen, and being in a state of darkness, etc. Men in general are very sagacious with respect to temporal affairs, and display much natural wit and ingenuity in contriving and accomplishing evil designs, but to do good they have no knowledge. Jeremiah 4.22 This is an evidence that their inability to foresee danger and provide against it is of the moral kind. Was there a disposition in mankind correspondent to their natural powers to secure the eternal interest of their souls in the way God has prescribed, watchmen would in a great measure be useless. 
three the work and office of gospel ministers suggests the idea of enemies invading that there is a controversy subsisting and danger approaching when soldiers are called forth and sentinels stand upon the wall it denotes war the souls of men are environed with ten thousand enemies that are seeking their ruin earth and hell are combined together to destroy how many already have fell victims to their ferocity the infernal powers are daily dragging their prey to the prison of hell men have rebelled against god and made him their enemy yea all creatures and all events are working the eternal misery of the finally impenitent sinner for we are taught in the text and elsewhere that the work of a gospel minister is not with the temporal but the spiritual concerns of men they watch for souls their conversation is not to be about worldly affairs but the things that relate to christ's kingdom which involves the everlasting concerns of men's souls when a minister's affections are upon this world his visits among his people will be barren he will inquire about the outward circumstances of the flock and perhaps from pecuniary motives rejoice at such prosperity but as though that was of greatest concern he will have nothing to say with respect to the health and prosperity of their souls have no joys or sorrows to express on account of the fruitful or more lifeless state of the inward man second let us say something with respect to the character of a spiritual watchman natural endowments embellished with a good education are qualifications so obviously requisite in an evangelical minister that it is needless we insist upon them at this time and that the interest of religion has and still continues greatly to suffer for the want of them is equally notorious in the early ages of christianity men were miraculously qualified and called into the work of the gospel ministry but we are far from believing that this is the present mode by which ordinary ministers are introduced one it is necessary that those who engage in this work love the cause in which they profess to be embarked that the love of christ be shed abroad in the heart hence our blessed lord by those repeated interrogations to simon whether he loved him has set before us the importance of this qualification in a spiritual shepherd the sad consequences of here there is a lacuna in the text those into the army who are in heart enemies to the commonwealth have often taught men to be careful in this particular the trust reposed in a watchman is such as renders him capable of great detriment to the community he that undertakes in this work from secular motives will meet with disappointment what a gross absurdity is this for a man to commend religion to others while he is a stranger to it himself the pious preacher will commend the saviour from the personal fund of his own experience being smitten with the love of christ himself with what zeal and fervour will he speak of the divine glory love to christ will tend to make a minister faithful and successful the importance of this point urges me to be copious on the subject were it not too obvious to require a long discussion two wisdom and prudence are important qualifications in ministers hence that injunction of the great preacher matthew ten sixteen be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves he is a man of spiritual understanding whose soul is irradiated with the beams of the sun of righteousness has received an unction from the holy one is taught by the word and spirit and walks in the light of god's countenance he has seen the deceit of his own heart knows the intrigues of the enemy sees the many snares to which the souls of men are exposed and not being ignorant of the devices of satan he will endeavour to carry on the spiritual campaign with that care and prudence that he shall not get advantage 
He knows that he has a subtle enemy to oppose, and human nature replete with enmity against the gospel, and will endeavour in every effort to conduct with that wisdom and circumspection, as all shall appear most likely to prove successful. 3. Patience is another qualification very necessary in a spiritual watchman. His breast being inspired with love to the cause, he will stand the storms of temptation, will not be disheartened by all the fatigues and sufferings to which his work exposes him, but will endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 4. Courage and fortitude must constitute a part of the character of a gospel minister. A sentinel who is worthy of that station will not fear the formidable appearance of the enemy, nor tremble at their menaces. None of these things will move him, neither will he count his life dear unto him to defend a cause so very important. He has the spirit of the intrepid Nehemiah, should such a man as I flee. He stands fast in the faith, quits himself like a man, and is strong. 5. Nor must we forget to mention vigilance or close attention to the business assigned him as an essential qualification in a minister of Christ. A man does not answer the idea of a watchman unless his mind is engaged in the business. The word which we have rendered watch in the text signifies in the original to awake and abstain from sleeping. Indeed, all the purposes of a watch set upon the wall are frustrated if he sleeps on guard, thereby himself and the whole army are liable to fall an easy prey to the cruel depredations of the enemy. The spiritual watchman is not to sleep, but to watch the first motion of the enemy, and give the alarm, lest souls perish through his drowsiness and inattention. Some further observations with respect to the work of a gospel minister will be made in their place. We pass, third, to show that ministers must give recount to God of their conduct, more especially as it respects the people of their charge. This solemn consideration is suggested in the text. Tis the design of preaching to make things ready for the day of judgment. 2 Corinthians 2.16 To the one we are the savour of death unto death, and to the other the savour of life unto life. We are fitting men for the master's use, preparing affairs for that decisive court. This supposes that things must be laid open before the great assembly at the day of judgment. Or why is it that there are so many things that relate, therefore, and are preparatives, therefore? The work of a gospel minister has a peculiar function to futurity. An approaching judgment is that to which every subject is pointing, and which renders every sentiment to be inculcated vastly solemn and interesting. Ministers are accountable creatures in common with other men, and we have the unerring testimony of Scripture— that God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Ecclesiastes 12.14 If there is none of our conduct too minute to be cognizable, we may well conclude that such important affairs that relate to the work and office of gospel ministers will not pass unnoticed. Arguments may be taken from the names given to the ministers of Christ that they must give account. They are called soldier, ambassadors, servants, stewards, angels, etc., which points out the relation they and their work stands in to God, that they are sent of God and are amenable to him that sent them, as a servant or steward is to give account to his lord and master with respect to his faithfulness in the trust reposed in him. God tells Ezekiel, if watchmen are not faithful and souls perish through their neglect, that he would require their blood at the hands of such careless watchmen. It is evident that primitive ministers were influenced to faithfulness from a view of the solemn account they expected to give at the day of judgment. This gave rise to those words, Acts 4.19, 
But Peter and John answered, and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. If God's omniscience is a motive to faithfulness, it must be in this view that he will not let our conduct pass unnoticed, but call us an account. It was approaching judgment that engrossed the attention of St. Paul, and made him exhort Timothy to study to approve himself unto God. This made the beloved disciple speak of having boldness in the day of judgment. 1 John 4.17 The divine glory is an object only worthy of attention, and to display his holy character was the design of God in creation, as there was... Here there is a lacuna in the text. Other beings existed antecedent thereto to attract the mind of Jehovah, and we are sure that God is pursuing the same thing still and always will. He is in one mind, and who can turn him? Job 23.13 There is no conceivable object that bears any proportion with the glory of God. For him ever to aim at anything else would be incompatible with his perfections. The day of judgment is designed to be a comment on all other days, at which time God's government of the world and their conduct towards him will be publicly investigated that the equity of divine administration may appear conspicuous before the assembled universe. It is called a day when the Son of Man is revealed. Luke 17.30 The honour of God requires that matters be publicly and particularly attended to, that evidences are summoned at this open court, hence the saints are to judge the world. 1 Corinthians 6.2 It will conduce to the mutual happiness of fellow ministers and people, to have matter laid open before the bar of God, as in the words following our text, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. The Apostle speaks of some ministers and people who should have reciprocal joy in the day of the Lord Jesus, which supposes that ministers and the people of their charge are to meet another day as having something special with each other. The connection between ministers and people is such as renders them capable of saying much for or against the people of their charge, and of hearers, making the same observations with respect to their teachers, and in this way the mercy and justice of God will appear illustrious. Since, therefore, the work of gospel ministers has such a near relation to a judgment day, since they are accountable creatures and their work so momentous, since it is a sentiment that has had so powerful influence on all true ministers in all ages of the world, also their connection is such as to render them capable of saying many things relating to the people of their charge. Above all, since the displays of divine glory are so highly concerned in this matter, we may without hesitation adopt the idea in the text that ministers have a solemn account to give to their great Lord and Master how they discharge the trust reposed in them. 4. We are to inquire what influence such considerations will have on the true ministers of Christ, or when they may be said to preach and act as those who must give account. Those who properly expect to give account will be very careful to examine themselves with respect to the motives by which they are influenced to undertake in the work. He will view himself acting in the presence of an heart-searching God, who requires truth in the inward part and will shortly call him to account for all the exercises of his heart. He will search every corner of his soul whether the divine honour or something else is the object of his pursuit. He has been taught by the rectitude of the divine law that God will not pass by transgression, but will judge the secrets of men. The work will appear so great that nature will recoil at the thought, like Jeremiah, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Or with the great apostle, who is sufficient for these things. The true disciple of Jesus will not thrust himself forward into the ministry like a heedless usurper, but with the greatest caution and self-diffidence. 2. A faithful watchman will manifest that he expects to give account by being very careful to know his duty, and will take all proper ways which are in his power to become acquainted with it. 
he will study as the apostle directs timothy to show himself approved unto god he will give attendance to reading meditation and prayer will often call in divine aid on account of his own insufficiency as a faithful soldier will be careful to understand his duty so the spiritual watchman will adhere closely to the word of god for his guide and directory three a minister that watches for souls as one who expects to give account will have none to please but god when he studies his sermons this will not be the inquiry how shall i form my discourse so as to please and gratify the humours of men and get their applause but how shall i preach so as to do honour to god and meet with the approbation of my judge this will be his daily request at the throne of grace this will be ten thousand times better to him than the vain flattery of men his discourses will not be calculated to gratify the carnal heart but he will not shun to declare the whole counsel of god the solemn account that the faithful minister expects to give another day will direct him in the choice of his subjects he will dwell upon those things which have a more direct relation to the eternal world he will not entertain his audience with empty speculations or vain philosophy but with things that concern their everlasting welfare jesus christ and him crucified will be the great topic and daring theme of his preaching if he means to save souls like a skilful physician he will endeavour to lead his patients into a view of their maladies and then point them to a bleeding saviour as the only way of recovery the faithful watchman will give the alarm at the approach of the enemy will blow the trumpet in the ears of the sleeping sinner and endeavour to wake him for the pious preacher will endeavour to adapt his discourses to the understanding of his hearers he will not be ambitious of saying fine things to win applause but of saying useful things to win souls he will consider that he has the weak as well as strong children as well as adults to speak to and that he must be accountable for the blood of their souls if they perish through his neglect this will influence him to study plainness more than politeness also he will labour to accommodate his sermons to different states or circumstances of his hearers he will have comforting and encouraging lessons to see before the children of god while the terrors of the law are to be proclaimed in the ears of the impenitent he will strive to preach distinguishing that every hearer may have his portion the awful scenes of approaching judgment will have an influence on the christian preacher with respect to the manner in which he will deliver himself he will guard against that low and vulgar style that tends to degrade religion but his language will in some measure correspond with that very solemn and affecting thing that do engage his heart and tongue with those very solemn and affecting things that do engage his heart and tongue he will not substitute a whining tone in the room of a sermon which to speak no worse of it is a sort of satire upon the gospel tending greatly to depreciate its solemnity and importance and to bring it into contempt but the judgment will appear so awful and his attention so captivated with it that his accents will be the result of a mind honestly and engagedly taken up with subject so vastly important such a preacher will not come into the pulpit as an actor comes upon the stage to personate feigned character and forget his real one to utter sentiments or represent passions not his own it is not to display his talents but like one who feels the weight of eternal things he will not address his hearers as though judgment was an empty sound but viewing eternity just before him and the congregation on the frontiers of it whose eternal state depends upon a few uncertain moments oh with what zeal and fervour will he speak how will death judgment and eternity appear as it were in every feature and every word out of the abundance of his heart his mouth will speak his hearers will easily perceive that the preacher is one who expects to give account he will study and preach with reference to a judgment to come and deliver every sermon in some respect as if it were his last not knowing when his lord will call him or his hearers to account
We are not to suppose that his zeal will vent itself in the frightful bellowings of enthusiasm, but he will speak forth the words of truth in soberness with modesty and Christian decency. 5. They who watch for souls as those who expect to give account will endeavour to know as much as may be the state of the souls committed to their charge, that they may be in a better capacity to do them good. They will point out those errors and dangers which they may see approaching, and when they see souls taken by the enemy they will exert themselves to deliver them from the snare of the devil. The outward department of a faithful minister will correspond with his preaching. He will reprove, rebuke, warning his people from house to house. The weighty affairs of another world will direct his daily walk and conversation in all places and on every occasion. A few particular addresses. First, to him who is about to be set apart to the work of the gospel ministry in this place. Dear sir, from the preceding observations you will easily see that the work before you is great and solemn, and I hope this is a lesson that you have been taught otherwise. The former acquaintance I have had with you gives me reason to hope that this is the case. You are about to have these souls committed to your care. You are to be placed as a watchman upon the walls of this part of Zion. I doubt not, but that it is with trembling you enter upon this work. The relation that this day's business has with a judgment to come renders the scene affecting. Your mind, I trust, has already anticipated the important moment when you must meet this people before the bar of God. The good profession you are this day to make is before many witnesses. Saints and wicked men are beholding, the angels are looking down upon us, and above all, the great God, with complacency or disapprobation, beholds the transactions of this day. He sees what motives govern you, and will proclaim it before the assembled universe. Oh, solemn and affecting thought! The work before you is great, and requires great searching of heart, great self-diffidence and self-abasement. How necessary that you feel your dependence upon God! You cannot perform any part of your work without His help. Under a sense of your weakness, repair to Him for help. Would you be a successful minister, you must be a praying dependent one. Do all in the name and strength of the Lord Jesus. Would you be faithful in watching for the souls of men, you must be much in watching your own heart. If you are careless with respect to your own soul, you will also be with respect to others. Although the work is too great for you, yet let such considerations as these revive your desponding heart. That the cause is good, better than life, you may well give up all for it. Tis the curse of God, and that which will prove victorious in spite of all opposition from men or devils, that God has promised to be with his ministers to the end of the world, that the work is delighted. Paul somewhere blesses God for putting him into the work of ministry, that the campaign is short, your warfare will soon be accomplished, that the reward is great, being found faithful, you will receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Secondly, we have a word to the church and congregation in this place. My brethren and friends, the importance of the work of a gospel minister suggests the weighty concerns of your souls. As ministers must give account how they preach and behave, so hearers also are to be examined as they hear and improve. You are to hear with a view to the day of judgment, always remembering that there is no sermon or opportunity that you have in this life to prepare for another world that shall go unannounced to that decisive court. Your present exercises with respect to the solemn affairs of this day will then come up to public view. God, we trust, is this day sending you one to watch for your souls. Should not this excite sentiments of gratitude in your breasts? Shall God take so much care of your souls and you neglect them? How unreasonable will it be for you to despise the pious instruction of your watchmen? You will herein wrong your own souls, and it will be an evidence that you love death. You will bear with him in not accommodating his sermons to your vitiated tastes, because he must give account. His work is great, and you must pray for him, as in the verse following the text, the apostle says, Brethren, pray for us. 
is it the business of your minister to watch for your souls with such indefatigable assiduity you easily see how necessary it is that you do what you can to strengthen him in this work that you administer to his temporal wants that he may give himself wholly to these things the great backwardness among people in general with respect to this matter at present has an unfavourable aspect who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof or who seedeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock one corinthians nine seven doubtless this man is sent here for the rise and fall of many in this place we hope he will be used as a means of leading some to christ while on the other hand we even tremble at the thought he may fit others for a more aggravated condemnation take heed how you hear a few words to the assembly in general will close the subject what has been said about the character and work of gospel ministers shows us at once that it is a matter in which we are all deeply interested the greater part of the people present i expect to see no more until i meet them at that day which has been the main subject of the foregoing discourse with respect to the characters of the people present we can say but little about them only this we may observe they are all dying creatures hastening to the grave and to judgment there must we meet you there an account of this day's work will come up to view there each one must give account concerning the right discharge of the work assigned him the preacher must give account and you that hear also let me say to such as are yet in their sins and proclaim it from this part of the wall of zion that the enemies of your souls is at hand that destruction awaits you oh flee flee to christ jesus bow to his sovereignty know this that except you are born again and become new creatures in the dispositions of your mind you cannot be saved shall ministers watch and pray for your souls night and day and you pay no attention to them since they are so valuable having such a relation to god did men regard divine glory that they would regard their souls as being designed to exhibit it be instructed then to delay no longer but by repentance towards god and faith in the lord jesus christ make peace with him before you are summoned before his awful bar let me bear testimony against a practice too common on such occasions as this many people think it a time for carnal mirth and dissipation than which nothing can be more provoking to god nor inconsistent with that day and strict account that such an occasion tends to exercise in the mind may all both ministers and people be exhorted to diligence in their work that finally we may adopt the language of the blessed apostle as also ye have acknowledged us in part that we are your rejoicing even as ye also are ours in the day of the lord jesus amen end of the character and work of a spiritual watchman described by lemuel haynes